podcast. Okay. That was a good surprise. So if you're listening in your car and this was on full volume, I really apologize for the intro. But uh, today on the show, we've got Philip Hunsicker. Dude, how are you doing? Man, I'm great. It's a um, good day. In addition to Philip Hunsicker, uh, we have uh, Ryan Lehrman, who is... Uh, who is he? Well, I'll tell you what. He is one of the geniuses behind the brand Scary Pockets. And I say the brand because Scary Pockets is is a band, but it is a project. Um, and it is a very uh, a vision-oriented, uh, uh, what is it, content machine <laughs> um, where there's a lot of vision, there's a lot of great ideas, um, and, and it feels like the system to the machine is pretty well run. Um, and they're always reinventing themselves, thinking of new ideas on how to capture my heart specifically. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. He's toured with a couple people before that, uh, most notably Ben Folds, Michael Buble. Uh, he's got a John Van Legend. Morrison credit on there also, John Legend. Uh, and uh, also we talked to him about what is all music says that there's a listing called party time karaoke that is on his page and we don't know what that's from but i'm i think he didn't you know today he denies working with that but i think i think that's kind of what got him started financially so it's it's keeping him afloat uh yeah you see any cool um animals recently (laughs) any cool animals you see any cool animals man i I've been pretty animaled out. <laughs> That's usually how, usually yeah, I can answer that. How many like, animals yeah. do you have to see to get animaled out? Oh man, I'm I'm like at what point? I'm what animal- point do you get sick of seeing animals? Because think about that. Like, what's one of the greatest things to eat? What's one of the greatest things to eat? Vegetables. <laughs> vegetables. I agree. I set you up for. But but you could start eating vegetables, and eventually you'd reach a cap in one meal, right? Me. Yes. Y- yes. Yeah. Where you would move to glue- upchuck. gluten. You'd upchuck the vegetables, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are animals? Like oh, that? here we go. Yeah. Uh, like seeing animals. Do I you eventually like get tired of seeing animals? I think my brain could get tired of seeing specific animals. If I get if I see one more freaking animal, I'm gonna lose it. You know. <laughs> Do people ever get there? <laughs> you, you see the people when they're leaving the zoo always. They're just think about down. that. I don't think anybody ever really gets there. I mean, you could see, like, I don't want to see another movie. I've seen too many movies. I have to stop watching TV. I'm, you know, like, I'm sick of being in the city. I need to be out in the country. I, you know, I need, I'm, I feel isolated out in the country. I need to go see civilization. I need to be at a restaurant or downtown somewhere. I've seen way too many animals. But do do people ever reach their cap on seeing animals? Maybe maybe a specific kind of animal. So if I was somewhere, what would be the what would be I the just, first animal that you just get sick of seeing? Like golly, if I see another one of those, oh man, frogs! Oh. If you go, somewhere, that's actually a really good like answer. A lot of frogs. I would say toads. Frogs are toads, pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, but toads specifically, <laughs> this is not toads. Just don't try. Just like they just like hobble along, they're not afraid of you, they don't really care you exist, and then you try to pick them up, and what happens, dude? They get that stink stuff, all they over pee you. all over you. Yeah, I know, but they also secrete stuff from their glands. Do you know that? So, if a dog picks up a toad and like puts it in his mouth and kind of bites down, your dog's mouth will start frothing because they secrete uh-huh. this like thing 
that makes dogs spit them out or animals spit them out. Oh, is it before the fangs? I the may skin, have or? made that up, but I'm 98% sure I did. <laughs> did you know when a dog wags its tail, it's actually, it's not like excited and like moving its tail. That's not the main purpose. It's, it's releasing uh, pheromones to people. Oh. And the signal is, I want to play. Like I want to, I want to play. So when it, when it's wagging its tail at you, uh-huh. it's saying, hey, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to enjoy Man. time together. What other cool animal facts do we know? Oh, bro. What's the best animal fact that you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is like the question of, uh, you know, what's the hardest thing you can play on guitar? You know, when, when you'd go to camp and you'd start playing guitar, you know, people are like, what's like the hardest thing you can play? And you're like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to answer that. You I think know? it's... Because uh, I'm pretty sure like growing up, it was eruption for everybody. At least try to play eruption, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the best animal fact. They only have a... Man, all growing up, I was obsessed with cheetahs because they could run 70 miles per hour. And then I learned that they can only do that for like a very short amount of time and then they need to sleep for days because they use all their energy and if they didn't catch their food and they got too tired they can die they can because they're too tired to go get food now but the peregrine falcon double the speed of a cheetah i was i was loving the wrong animal yeah all growing up now here's the deal about that though the cheetah achieves triple the the, speed yeah it's i think it's like 200 and something miles an hour now the cheetah Use can achieve 70 miles an hour all on its own will and power. And the Peregrine Falcon is at its diving speed. So it is using gravity to achieve that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm more impressed with like, okay, so cool. How fast can you fall? You know? Well, then we need to look at the aerodynamics of the cheetah because maybe he's also cheating. Which brings us to the next part of our show. We drop a cheetah from an airplane. (laughs) And we see how fast it can go falling because we think it could beat the Peregrine Falcon. And I'm sure it could. If There's you get, probably lots of animals that could beat this. You get a thousand feet up. I mean, that cheetah's going to that cheetah's gonna be going fast. Think about a blue whale. Dude, so the, you know, gravity acceleration rate is, yeah. you know, 9.81 meters per second squared. And so that doesn't change for anybody. That's true. I knew so you whether you're doing a, you're dropping a, I knew it. If you're dropping a Rubik's cube or a blue whale, they're going to fall at the exact same rate. You know, the only thing to take into account is like wind resistance. So, I mean, if you throw like a napkin out the window and a blue whale, obviously the blue whale is going to hit first. But in our instance, the cheetah and the whale would hit at the same time. Except for the aerodynamics of the cheetah are going to speed it up to 230 miles an hour. Yeah, but hour, uh, what, what height are we dropping the animals from? thousand feet. Okay. It's not far enough. Is, no. thousand, thousand feet's that's pretty high. That's pretty get, high. Not to get this accurate test, because you're not going to re- reach that. Yeah, I bet they'd reach, I don't know how fast you'd be going after a thousand feet. I bet you're going, I bet you're going pretty fast. Yeah. Um... So, which is all we talk about today with Ryan Lerman. Um, and, uh, but before that, we want to get into band names. And uh, if you like the content that you are receiving and you are digesting with your heart and your mind, why don't you reach down with your mouse, like, and subscribe immediately. And if um, you're on a phone, 
make sure you know what do you do if you're on a phone you make sure you get that mouse bluetooth connect it i would love to bluetooth a mouse to my phone that'd be great you can can you really yeah you can i have a mouse that can go between all of my different things you can do a mouse what does this screen look like if you bluetooth your mouse to the phone what is your what is what's on your screen do you is it um as a pointer show because there's no pointer on my iphone screen I'm thinking now, because I have the... That's what we need when you start keyboard. thinking. It's a keyboard. I have a keyboard that I can go switch it to whatever device, so if I have them all up there. But I'm pretty sure I was using my mouse. Maybe I'm not. I don't, I don't think this is real. I think you're saying I think you're saying some bad information. <laughs> go out there and buy it. It's called the Logitech. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, yeah. But, oh, yeah, we are sponsored by uh, Phone Mouse, which is the phone for your... For your mouse. For your mouse. <laughs> it's the phone... Dang it. All right. Band names. Band names. What do you got today? Who are we listening to? Well, who are we going who are we going to see? Who's on tour? Today we're gonna go see Man, I don't think I've said this before. Is that the band name? Because I don't like it. That's a good yeah. Man, I don't think I've said this before. Future days. Future days. Yeah. We got future days today, and they're in the like electro pop like uh indie tronica. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the band Sports. You ever heard of them? I have heard of Sports. Yeah, we Similar have songs at the shop with Sports. Postal Service. Yeah, all these. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Future days. Yeah, it kind of sounds like. Uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like one of those bands that that they were really good. Uh huh. You know, starting out, but then for their debut album, like they had a lot of like people pitched in on the songwriting and in the production, and kind of ruined them. You know, because then that was better. Than it's, they just made it. They made it very accessible, like Future Days. You oh, know, yeah. but you know those bands that are actually pop disguised as indie. You know, name one. I feel really bad if I do, <laughs> so I don't want to. But there's They're pop disguised. It's it's like it's pop, but it's disguised as like lo-fi indie. And I I, I really don't want to say any names on the podcast. But if you know <laughs> what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh that's them yeah they're from stillwater oklahoma <laughs> jeez <laughs> we're talking about who's from stillwater this band future days oh future days yeah no we got a lot of good bands. i'm from stillwater oklahoma oh that's crazy they're i am you did you know i am i probably know the guys that's from wild. future days yeah so Brad. stillwater's got some good bands coming out of it other yeah. we got other lives we've got all american rejects man We've got uh, Cross Canadian Ragweed, and also I know I claim I claim Garth Brooks because how do you claim Garth? Because he lived there. He lived there (laughs) with his first wife Sandy. Yukon, come on. I know, but I feel like if he just he he had some roots down there, (laughs) and so I know he's drank some of the water and put some of it back in. So there's a little bit of Garth Brooks in Stillwater still. If you know what I mean. Um, what's, what's your band name? Tom Snake. Tom Snake. Is it a solo act or is this like a band name? Tom Snake is, uh, they sound different every time. So it started out as kind of like alt country. Uh-huh. And then they they like morphed. The second album, they started adding horns. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, whoa, what is going on? Tom Snake was alt country, but now there's like a horn section. And then it was like super acoustic vibes on the junior album like the third album it was yeah. like is this tallest man on earth so they are they're like always changing what they sound like and you just never know what to predict from tom snake which is why their yeah. fans love them because 
you never know what to expect. Yeah. So nobody can be disappointed in any album because it's like, oh, we want you to do the old stuff. It's like, we're never going to do that stuff again. We're, yeah. we're totally changing our name. Uh, that my, my favorite album is uh, the Tickle Fence Film Festival. The Tickle Fence Film Festival. And that's just, that's just so Tom Snake to just think of this long album name that is like, what the does that Fence. mean? So they started out as just the Tickle Fence and then... Tickle Fence, my bad. That wasn't pretentious enough, so they added Film Festival at the end of it. And then that gave it that pretension notoriety that it yeah. really needed to survive. So, um, yeah, love Tom Snake. Uh, they were asked to play Bonnaroo and they said no. Wow. So that's... That's how cool they are. They're like, no, we're not doing that. Um, let's bring Ryan Lerman on and let's get his uh, uh, thoughts on Tom Snake uh, yeah. before we go. Today we've got uh, Ryan Lerman on the show. And uh, what's what are you giggling about? Speaking of AI. Because oh, yeah. if we were to do like an AI derived film or piece of video content starring Jeff Goldblum, we wouldn't have to use a lot of AI because you look a lot like Jeff Goldblum today. Do you get that a lot? I get, I get that's a popular comment on Scary Pockets okay. videos. Um, is it really? Jeff Goldblum on the guitar, you know. Oh, man. Oh, so this is like a, oh, this is like a D. Jack gets V-sauce, I get Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> No, man, man. You, just, you just ruined it. So I, I just want to start out apologizing to you, I guess. So I thought I was pulling out some apology accepted. I know. I thought, <laughs> hey, I was... Jeff Goldblum's he's an attractive guy. I'm, I'm not mad at that. I will say <laughs> you're better <laughs> looking than <laughs> Jeff Goldblum too. So. Oh, stop yeah. it. Well, what, what movie Man-er. though? I would say he's more of like a John Travolta, younger John Travolta, Jeff Goldblum mix. Yeah. So how good looking, wow. how good looking <laughs> do you think you are? Yeah, no, that's, I get this question a lot. Oh, my um, gosh. I would say, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I'm a solid for a guitar player. You know, <laughs> I would say, six. I would say it's pretty, uh, I'd say five or six is not generous enough for a guitar player. Yeah. Because uh, you got ugly guys. You got really ugly guys. Like, uh, name some ugly guitar players that we're friends with. Oh, I'm my. just kidding. I'm just oh, kidding. Man. All right. So. Yeah. So uh, you're a really interesting individual to have on the show because you are, you've got your hands in multiple uh, arenas of, of the art of music. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it, you know, there is this new uprising uh, in guitar playing slash musicianship with uh, just the accessibility, I think, of like music equipment, great video. Uh, and I think just in general, musicians are getting better because we're able to watch and learn from more musicians constantly. And so uh, I, the the level of musicianship and art, uh, it, I think, is rising. And, and you're part of that. And um, so thank you for making inspiring videos uh, oh. like Scary Pockets. And, but I would like to kind of hear, that's kind of where we're at today, but I would like to hear more about like where you're from, uh, cause you have a podcast, but you don't get to talk about like where you're from and all your backstory. Uh, right. I kind of want to get a gist of like where you're from and where like music training and, and, you know, 
working out your ear and your theory where all that kind of started and and yeah all that stuff so yeah where are you from man i'm from la uh i was born here um and when i was eight or so my family moved up to the bay area to marin county and that's where i went to high school that's where i met jack my my pockets uh partner yeah mm-hmm. um we went to high school together and then i came back down to la for college i went to usc I um did you go there? No, I'm doing I'm doing oh, LA oh. and then I'm doing uh <laughs> okay. Marin County and then I'm doing LA. Oh, you were pointing at yourself. Doing... No, 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 no. I did not go to USC. Um I've seen it before. I've seen him play ball. To, uh, nice. Yeah, well, yeah. Went to USC for uh, uh studio jazz guitar. Studio slash jazz guitar. Okay. Um and then moved to basically moved to Newport Beach after that. My grandparents had a house in Newport Beach and um, and I was touring uh, uh, kind of right out of school. Um, and so I, I would be touring most of the time. And then when I was home, I would stay with my grandparents so I didn't have to pay rent. Yeah. And I did that until I was 28. I lived with them for quite, mm-hmm. quite a long time, toured a lot. What made a great a grandson, nice guy. Honestly, you know, if you'd met my grandparents, I I was the lucky one. They uh, they they are just the greatest. That's awesome. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then I moved here to um, back back to LA when I was thirty. Yeah, twenty eight, thirty, something like that. Um, touring. So uh, I've seen I've went through the all music uh, on you just a little bit. And I saw some some names I really liked. Uh, like Ben Folds. So yeah, t- talk to me a little bit how you got connected with Ben and and was that a positive experience? It was the most positive I experience. Yeah. I have I have nothing but amazing things to say about Ben. He he um, I got I met Ben through Jack actually. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack and Ben spoke at a music tech conference, and then Ben asked Jack if he'd want to do a song together, this is in the height of Jack's band Pomplamoose. Mm-hmm. And they did a collaboration. Ben's bass player had just quit and he asked Jack if Jack would want to come tour with Ben and play bass. And uh, Jack wasn't looking to tour at that point and, and said, I can't, but um, you should get my friend Ryan to play bass. Yeah. And, uh, and then Jack called me and told me that he'd recommended me and I, I said, I don't play bass. <laughs> said, and uh, and Jack said, Yeah, but I don't play bass. He asked me to do it. If if he if he thinks I can do it, then you can definitely do it. <laughs> um, and I had just done a tour with a Fine Frenzy. Where um, do you guys know that band, A Fine Frenzy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I had auditioned. And she didn't like any of the bass players. So what ended up happening in that band was uh, my good friend Omar Velasco it was the other guitar player. Yeah. And she had just asked us, like, can you guys just take turns and play bass? Neither of us played bass. So I had just come out of that situation where, like, I played bass on a couple of songs. Like, I didn't own a bass. I, you know, I just, like, <laughs> learned what was on the record. And, sure. Um, and so... So that, so I guess I, I've, you know, I, I was a step up from never having touched a bass before, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I spoke to Ben, um, 
and and lied like all good musicians do sure. and yeah. said, oh yeah, I, I play bass. Buddy. And, uh, Once or twice. And he said, um, he said, well, you know, Jack recommended you. Jack's a great musician. So, um, I'm sure you're great. I don't really do auditions. So you got the gig, the tour starts in, <laughs> in four months and, um, we don't rehearse either, so. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this sounds awesome. I mean, there's so much just like freedom. Oh playing man, with him, I would think so too. much freedom. Just, like, go everywhere, I would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was um, a, a pretty formative experience because uh, I just I like to um, like tunnel vision, di deep dive into stuff, and sure. it was a fun opportunity to. Uh, like I went, I just went to Guitar Center and got a bass and an amp that day. That's great. And, uh, What'd you get? And I, I got a white uh, jazz bass. Jazz guy. Um, okay, cool. I think it was a jazz bass. And then I ended up getting a Fender sent me like a Roadworn, like it was like a you know six hundred dollar bass, and that's the yeah. one I used yeah. for that whole gig pretty much. Um, but yeah, the guy before me. Um, Jared was using a jazz bass. So, or not, was he? I think he was. Anyways, yeah. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had just sure. checked for <laughs> Justin Meldel Johnson, who was playing with Burden the Bee at the Bowl. Oh, yeah. And um, and my friend, I wanted to go see the show, and my friend was doing front of house, and he said, I can't get you a ticket, but if you want to be Justin's tech, um, I can. you can come. And so I just like set up all the shit and sounds good. He looks, he looks so cool. And he, yeah. he, uh, that I just took a picture of his pedal board, his rig, and I copied it to a T I, I got exactly his pedal board. Take it. I got exactly his rig. That's and I amazing. showed up to, to like, um, sound check with Ben with like all this, like all this gear. And Ben looked at my board and he's like, you don't need that. And he's, he's like here. And he went and got me a big muff. And yeah, and he's like, "Here you go. You're, don't don't use these pedals." Yes, and uh, oh, it was terrifying. I was terrified for the next like six months of playing with him. I thought every show would be my last show, but he was um, he's just the greatest man. I can't yeah. say enough, enough nice things about Ben. He's it was like uh, one of the most uh, fun um, touring experiences in terms of like they say like the three M's like money, mates, music. Yeah. Are, are the key for like good touring. And, and, um, you know, I, I was young enough and like the money was totally fine. I just didn't mm -hmm. care. I was young enough as to where it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And, and the music and the people were just the greatest and Ben was the greatest. So I was in heaven. Man. So what's the, on this tour, what's the band member count? I mean, is it Ben piano, you're playing bass, drums, anything There was else? five of us, Okay. which was ironic because it was Ben Folds five was three people. Yeah. So um, it was, there was one guy who played percussion, uh, Chad. Yeah. Uh, Chad Chapin. And Sam Smith was playing drums. Andrew Higley was playing French horn and aux keyboards. I was playing bass and Ben was playing piano. Man, that, there's, not, there's not a lot of places for you to hide on that, you know? No, no. It's, yeah, it was terrifying. You gotta, yeah, I, that would make me terrified, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, so what years was that? And what were, were you guys supporting certain albums or what was going on with that? Yeah, that was, um, the album was called Lonely Avenue. Yeah. It was 2000, 
probably 2010 to 2013. Yeah. Kind of that phase. Yeah. And then, so how did Michael Buble work its way into this also? Um, that came about after folds, like we did one or two tours and then I was home and I had just put out, um, my first like solo record, which I had been releasing kind of one song whenever I got around to it. Yeah. And then once I had 15 or so, I just put it out and nothing really happened. I was in, I was like 25. I was still living with my grandparents. My, um, my girl, I was like, I had kind of run out of my touring money at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, just like paying for meals for like my girlfriend and I, and my, I remember having this very, um, disheartening conversation, my girlfriend, where I was like, uh, do you think we could maybe like split meals for a while? <laughs> like, would that be okay? And uh-huh. she, I just remember she was like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think the guy should pay for the meals, but like, if you need me to like, yeah, it's fine for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for a little while. Not the right, <laughs> not the right girl, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, this sounds yeah. like, a, uh, but yeah, so I was in, I was in a, like kind of a rough place. And then, um, that gig came about and I did the audition thinking that I shouldn't take it. I was quite like, I just felt like, no, I have to keep pushing on and just like, knows the grindstone and yeah. make my own records. So right here, how old are you at this stage? 25. Okay. And so at 25 for you at this stage, what is the goal? I know the goal today is probably a lot different, you know, the vision, but at 25, yeah. what was the goal? The goal was just to be like touring um, and making records that I was proud of. Honestly, just making records that yeah. I loved, uh, mm-hmm. And just like, I felt like, um, I wanted to realize my potential as just like a songwriter Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, one who records their own music. Um, and, uh, so that, that's what I felt like I should be doing. It's Uh just like, um, which kind of paints the, I don't want to take, I don't want to have to take this, this buble gig. Yeah. I felt like it was, um, it was an out. Yeah. And I get it. Um, and that like. I don't know. I went to school with, um, you know, Lewis Cole. Huh. Lewis I can look is, at my phone is, real quick. But Lewis is a drummer. He's a he's an artist, um, and he. We were in a band together in college. We, we were roommates in college, and one of my favorite people, one of my favorite musicians, and he and Jack and I. Um, Jack also best friend. We the three of us used to tour together in college, mm-hmm. and to me, those were my two. Um, best friends and North stars, as far as like these people are just relentlessly hardworking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I've all, I've just tried to keep up with them my whole life. Sure. And, um, and so to me, the touring sideman thing always felt like a, a fun distraction and a way to support myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the thing that I really ever, um, like aspired to do. I never wanted to be like a, like a, a lifelong touring musician. I just yep. felt like, okay, this is a fun way to make money while I'm, you know, just making records. Uh-huh. Okay. So, but so you get the gig though, obviously. So I got the gig yeah. and then 
they never like asked me like once I got it, like if I wanted to do it, it was just like assumed that I would. <laughs> and then a guy show up to, at eight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then a guy came to um, my grandparents house to like fit me for a suit. And I was like, you guys going to give me a suit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I got a suit and I get in-ears. Oh man. <laughs> it's like, like half yeah, as good man. as being uh, in a, groomsman party you know yeah and the and i had never made that much money before like and i didn't have any so that was a big yeah. um it was all just a bit too alluring and uh and so i got i got sucked into it and uh and i ended up learning a ton and i, I don't regret anything but yeah, yeah i ended up doing that gig for five years yeah and you also got to uh you're on the liner notes of a lot of the records as well did you yeah, play? I did some. I wrote. I ended up writing two or three songs with Buble, and um, playing on some of the records. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, I mean, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of these headlining acts. Uh, not a lot. I don't know what percentage. I'll have to look at the stats. But I mean, some of them, you know, and some of the record labels don't trust the touring band to really come and sit in the studio and make the record Rightly so, so so when so when the touring band gets to play on the record i think that's that's pretty odd it just it's testament yeah. to testament to your talent was so, that was i he, liked seeing that was he oh, using thanks. his touring band all of them, no or was it no i mean um like, i think bob i'm trying to think which records i'm on i think um Bob Rock was producing when I started uh -huh. um, and uh, and then the next record Buble kind of produced with Alan Chang his longtime piano player music director and Jason Goldman who was uh -huh. like a teacher at USC when I was there um, and uh, and so yeah Alan is one of my best friends um, and so he was he was cool about like, you know, asking me to play on yeah. stuff. And we, the stuff that I, anything I wrote with Buble was kind of facilitated by Alan. Alan was there. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's, I, I guess I, I owe probably mostly Alan for, for all of that. Hey, let's just take a sec, say thanks, Alan. Alan, Philip, why don't you say tell how Alan really thanks. really pay my respects to Mr. Chang. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Alan. Thank you. Um, so, and then also in the notes, and then I'll, I'll leave you alone about uh, credits and things like that, but Van Morrison, I saw that in there. I thought that was pretty that, fun. That was, I think that was, um, that was because I think, I don't remember exactly the situation, but we did that on tour when I was with Buble. Um, Bob Rock, I think, was producing like some Van Morrison yeah. record, and he just came out and recorded the Buble band for for a song. That's, that's cool. That's how that happened. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, okay, I said I would stop, but I also saw Party Time Karaoke on the All Music list. Is it? Is that a? What is that? It's on. It's on your credits. It's on all music. It says party I time. Down. I have no idea what that is. T Y M E party time karaoke. No way. Multiple albums, not just one. Dude. So, no way. No, I'm maybe serious. somebody thinks that's what Scary Pockets is. <laughs> it might be. All music. I have no idea. But 
Yeah, no kids, Bob. I didn't see any kids, Bob. But I was, I was. If you're in that lane, I was like, that's what's next. I mean, that's well, what I don't know. That's about what a money's at. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so then, okay, so backtracking just a little bit, Pomplamoose. Uh, I feel like that was one of the first times um, I I was watching like a song being born on video. You know. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so like, I'm watching it, I'm watching like the, when the kit comes in and I'm like, oh, cool. And then when adding the roads in and like, oh, that's tight. And just all the video angles. And, and it was a very beautiful way to like engage in the song in a new way. And it didn't hurt that everybody was a fantastic musician. Um, did, did that kind of, uh, you know, channel its way and give energy into Scary Pockets somehow? And how did all the Scary Pockets stuff start up? Yeah, well, um, it they were very closely related. I mean, just because of Jack. So yeah. Jack has, Jack was my, um, uh, my big brother in high school. The seniors got paired up with freshmen and he was a senior and I was a freshman. Yeah. He was my senior buddy. Um, and and we started making music together pretty quickly. And um, he started Pompamoose with his wife, now wife, Natalie, after school. And um, and that kind of took off. Um, and Jack is, is just like, you know, he's the real deal. He's just re- relentlessly innovative and, um, and hardworking. And so Pompamoose was one innovation, which which was sort of like the the video song was what he called them. People it was a thing that like people kind of had been doing before Jack started doing it, but he kind of branded it. You know what I mean? He called yeah. it video song and made up rules. And he was doing that for his own music yeah. before he started doing it with Natalie with Pomplamoose. And Pomplamoose was just a thing. Although his own thing, like it, it was doing well before Pomplamoose. It's just Pomplamoose kind of took off. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of had a nice run of um, of success. And then they took a break uh, and then Jack started Patreon and then Scary Pockets grew out of um, I was 30. I had kind of stopped, realized like, OK, I, I kind of want to stop touring. Uh, and Jack was in Patreon world doing just like, you know, a gajillion hours a week, no time to make music, hadn't published anything in years and was getting quite bogged down. Um, And he, we went for a walk after my 30th birthday uh, party. And, uh, and he presented me with this deck that was like, you know, we had, I had been hanging out with, um, yeah. Uh, I have a presentation. It was, it was literally a deck. (laughs) Typical Jack fashion. Wow, that's um, amazing. And, yeah, and uh, and I had become good friends with um, the guys from Wolfpack. Uh-huh. Um, so in the, in the year or two prior, uh, I'd started hanging out with Theo a bunch and Jack Stratton, and they had um, they had recorded one of my songs in a way that was just like everybody in the same room, no monitoring, do a couple takes, boom, song is done in a matter of an hour or whatever. And so that was quite a revelation for me who had been toiling away, spending friggin' thousand yes. hours on every song. Uh-huh. 
like, oh, you can just do this very quick. And it's, it's actually kind of better. Yeah. Um, and so I had that kicking around and Jack came to me with this idea of what if we did like Wolfpack meets postmodern jukebox and we, we get together once a month and we record four songs and release them once a week. And I just said, uh, shit, yeah, let's do it. And, That's and a it. month later, you know, if that, we had our first session and then, and then a month after that, the songs started coming out and they were just like, you know, the third or fourth one, I think was a song called creep. And, um, and it got, yeah. you know, 10 million views in like a, a week. Yeah. And it was like the, you know, it kind of went, went off. And, uh, and ever since that, it was like, oh, we have a band now. This is cool. <laughs> and we've just been trying to keep the fire stoked. I love is it. Is that still the same? You meet once a month, write four songs or are y'all meeting more often or? Yeah. yeah, it's it's stayed. I mean, the the biggest constraint which remains is Jack's time. Yeah. So Jack only has one day a month. We only get Jack one day a month. Wow. Um, and so uh, that's that's the constraint within which we have to work. And so yeah, we do. We meet once a month. We record four songs and we release them once a week. That's there's a couple exceptions like. If we miss a month, sometimes we'll try to do two days, mm -hmm. some other month. But um, but generally, that's the that's the formula. That's and wild. Who talk to me about who's in this band? Scary Pockets. Scary Pockets is is um, we kind of think about it as um, uh, as a uh, like a media company now, like Pockets Inc. Yeah. Um, because Pockets is this rotating cast of whoever is in the session. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jack and I are, are kind of the main characters that are in almost all of the videos, but there we've, there's been over, I think 300 people, three or 400 people in the videos at this point. Um, and, uh, and then we, we started iterating. So there's, so pockets Inc has scary pockets. We have a acoustic covers channel called stories. Uh -huh. We have, um, a originals, uh, a instrumental funk originals band with Larry Goldings called Scary Goldings. <laughs> and then we've started doing these like Pockets Presents albums. We did an album with our friend Swatkins, who uh -huh. uh, who was, does the talk box. And we did an album with him in a German big band. That's all like talk box, big band music. Yeah. Um, and then we did an album with David Ryan Harris. Pockets Presents David Ryan Harris. So Do you guys know him? Yes. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just sort of been this vehicle and this platform for just like throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and, and trying things with people we love. Yeah. So, um, the, the, what I think is interesting is, is all the different, you know, directions and in, in the vine that's grown out of this. Um, are you concerned with like, re like, so people who listen to this are mostly probably musicians, you know, this podcast. So when you're doing all this content, are you concerned about like revenue streams and how to capitalize on your time? Or are you more concerned with the process or are you holding both in, in you holding one or the other in both hands and trying to find a balance or, cause Such you know, it's question. taking up a lot of your time and you know you got to pay the bills um i don't Such think you're living question. with your grandparents anymore but nope i don't live with my grandparents yeah anymore. so how do you how do you manage that and figure all that out 
Great question. Um, well, I would just like to point out what you didn't ask in that question, which was, um, are you more concerned with uh, uh, revenue streams or the process? You didn't say the the product, the output, because which I think is very wise. I think uh, people there there are different strategies for um, for creation, uh-huh. and some are output based and some are process based. And I think a lot of people, myself included, get caught up in the importance of the thing that you put out. And to me, the revelation with pockets is that's not important. It's yeah. it's um, I mean we pay attention to like how well things do and metrics and like if people like you know the the things that we're putting out but most of the focus is on the process um and i think that to me was a revelation is like oh this is a machine that we get to tinker with Uh and like we put stuff out so much some of it will be good some of it won't be as good some of it will resonate and a lot of times those aren't correlated those three things the thing that we think <laughs> yeah is going to be great does we love that doesn't resonate the thing that we almost didn't put out because we thought it wasn't good is the thing that resonates so it it is sort of an exercise in in focusing on the process and not um and not being sort of output focused um that having been said because of jack's um business savvy uh and his ex- experience um, experience with uh just like company building we we got to a point where i mean pockets for the first two years was all just like it was all jack and i splitting um all the expenses and we were in the red we would just go we would just lose more and more sure. money every month and then about year three i think we realized um that like okay like every six months we basically hit a wall where we like kind of stop growth becomes stagnant um and uh and we have to change something in order to like try to find something else that resonates and it, it at one point jack said um yo i think our next i think our next uh step up is team and we really started like trying to find people uh that would take us that would help sort of augment our thing. So uh-huh. um, we started working with Caleb Parker, uh, who has been our engineer and mixed um, most Scary Pockets videos mm-hmm. along with Craig Pulasco. But Caleb started with us, you know, year two or something. Yeah. Um, and Ricky Chavez does, does our video. And um, we just started adding, building a team and and like an organization around the process. We have now we have Rachel McGowan who is a full time employee, and she runs operations for Scary Pockets. So she oversees yeah. the pipeline. And there's about you know ten, ten to twenty other um, sort of regular contributors that aren't full time, but yeah. they sort of participate in the machine that is Scary Pockets. Um, so yeah very much i mean all of that stuff is is you know we're we're pretty aware of like we have uh, a meeting every month where rachel presents to us a deck Mm -hmm. um that's basically like how is pockets doing across every metric how's how was our bank account look like what is our 
what are our expenses? How's, you know, all the like class-based stuff, like how's mm -hmm. the touring business doing? So we're pretty, now it's, we're super focused on process still, but we also have our fingers on the pulse of like, how is the business doing? Yeah. And what are our revenue streams and how do we make make those as diverse as possible? So yeah, totally. we, we think about all that stuff. So uh, I think it's uh, interesting. So you said about every six months, things kind of stall out, which I think in business is, is very normal. But how do you guys, you know, we call it hitting the ceiling, the ceiling of complexity, you know, it's right. like, okay, people loved what we were doing for a period of time and now they're used to it. So yeah. we got to, you know, we got bills to pay and we've got, yep. you know, people's insurance policies to keep up and stuff like that. So we got to, all right, what are we going to do next? What does it look like for you guys to kind of brainstorm and talk about that? Do you guys do that as a wide group or is it just you and Jack? Like who do you put in the room and is there a yeah, process to it or? Totally. Um, well, we have weekly meetings. So Jack and I and Rachel meet every week for 30 minutes. Uh -huh. um, and that's, you know, when we look at uh, the, the decks once a month and when we have these weekly meetings, um, they're, they're usually a result of like, how, how are Jack and I feeling about the process? How do we feel about the last session? Mm -hmm. And also like, what do um, like what do views look like? Are we starting to stagnate? Do we need to try something? And um, and we'll we'll have just brainstorm sessions about like what are all the ways that we can iterate and yeah. add variety into like what are all the things we could try? So mm -hmm. you know at at the at the outset um, it was like just Jack Jack and I two musicians different singers and a tripod. That was it. And yeah. we were mixing everything ourselves. The videos were just one take. And then it was like, well, uh, we could try investing in um, video. You know, I know this guy, Ricky, he could come film and we could change up the camera approach. Yeah. We see a little bump after that. Mm -hmm. And that would last about six months. And then it was like, well, um, we could try having someone else mix it. Like maybe if it sounded better, like that would be exciting to yeah, people. Yeah. And then that would be another bump. And then it's like, well, we could try horns. We've never done something with horns. We could get some horns and see if that, and that would give us a bump. And then it's like background singers and okay, what if we did like electronic music? What if we got like, uh, uh, you know, SPD, pad uh -huh. and and we tried to introduce some element of like electro funk into the the equation and we had like yeah. pumping compression and that would give us a bump so it's it's literally just been you know five or six years of that like what if we had someone build us a set what if we did like a day on a set so the videos yeah. looked just radically different it's kind of like you only have you know working within the the realm of youtube you have like the thumbnail and you have the title uh -huh. And that's kind of that's kind of all you have to get people, you know, to to hook people. Yeah. So you we would play with like different titles and different looking thumbnails and yeah. um, just you know constantly trying to to figure uh, out the machine. <laughs> yeah, to find ways to like keep us interested. Yeah, what does it um, want? Yeah, and to keep to keep people feeling like they're along, they're on, the, they're on a ride with us. Yeah. Um, and 
and that we're just trying stuff. Yeah. What was the moment with through all that where you, you kind of sat back and maybe you were in a session or maybe you were in a meeting where you kind of realized, hey, this is like a thing. This is like a brand. When was that? And um, what was that like? That's a good question. Well, the, I mean, the first time I had that feeling was after that creep video came out that uh-huh. went kind of viral. Like yeah. that, that was the first time I had kind of been a part of something where I remember going to see like a Blake Mills show or something the week after that. And, um, and all these people were like coming up to me at the show and then they had seen the video. Yeah. And that was the first, my first experience with that feeling of like, I did something or was a part of something that was put out there and yeah. like, wow, people have, people know about this. <laughs> yeah, like people yeah. have seen this. We can do more of this. Um, so that was kind of like, yeah, that was the first time I had that feeling. And then it's been just a steady, a steady um, experience of constantly being surprised that like people have kind of heard, you know, more and more about what we've been up to. Yeah. The, so you said 300 musicians, uh, you know, which is a lot. Are you meeting some of these people for the first time at the session or have, do you have prior yeah. relations with some of these people already? For the first couple of years, it was, well, that's not true. On the, on the very first couple of sessions, I mean, it started out as just like my friends and people that I sure. toured with, mm-hmm. but um, pretty, pretty quickly, I like ran out of singers to call. And so I would ask friends for recommendations and they'd send me, you know, friends, friends of theirs or friends of friends. And I would check yeah. them out and so um a lot of the singers that we've now worked with a lot i had met for the first time at the at the sessions and yeah it sort of is an expansion of my friend group and then their friends and friends of friends yeah that's and is that easy to book i bet you're i bet uh who's it rachel is the other person rachel i bet rachel's doing most of that but do you find a lot of complexity having to go through like labels and getting permissions and and all that kind of stuff or is it Um, it pretty much like community-based and yeah i'll do it i'm down it's pretty much that we we've we kind of found that like i mean some people run their their business or or are beholden to that machine where it's like you have to go jump through a bunch of hoops and what we found is like I mean, we've done that. Like we try to just be as easy as we possibly can. And like this whole thing is built on trying to get back at the man for, for like the ways that the man has wronged us as musicians over the years. Yeah. And, um, and just feeling like, man, I just hate negotiations. Every time I've had to like, talk to somebody's manager and try to like fight for why I should yeah like get paid or like I just hate all of that yeah. and um and really I mean I I can't overstate the the impact and the genius of of Jack Stratton um who runs Wolfpack because mm-hmm. um he the way that he's the the organization and like the 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 band the company that he's built yeah. is is so generous um towards everybody involved that uh that the feeling when i when i became like a small part of that the the way that that made me feel was so powerful and so mm-hmm. anti it went, it went so so against the way that i had felt 
and every gig yeah. up until that point that I was like, oh, we need to like, I want to give other people this feeling. I want to, I want to help propagate the thing that Jack is doing and try to find a model that's based on just like lifting people up and being generous. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of like what we've, what, what we've strived um, to do. And, and so all of our sort of dealings are, are in, in the spirit of like, listen, like we're trying to just build a, a thing and like, we want to pay you as much as we possibly can. We want wow. you to be, but we, we don't have like lawyers. We don't really, I mean, mm -hmm. now we have a lawyer, but we don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the infrastructure to invest in, in like uh, complicated deals for sure. everybody. That's like a part of this. It's just like, it's very simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, here's, here's like the way that we do things. Yeah. And like, if this works for you, awesome. And, uh, so, so yeah, we've, when we've encountered situations that are more complicated, we kind of tried our best to, to make them work, but also the, the kind of the beautiful thing that we've found about pockets is that, um, videos with more well-known singers, like famous people, uh -huh. um, don't do any better than videos without famous people you yep. know what i mean it's it's more to do with the spirit and the room and the 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 arrangement and like the just luck of the moment like yeah. what song happens to people happen to be searching for at the time uh -huh. so it's sort of like you know whoever this fancy person is um that that like might have more hoops to jump through it's like if they want to do it awesome but if it doesn't work out like totally yeah you know it doesn't bum us out too too much and i think that makes a lot of sense with and i'm not looking at your demographics but um you know i think part of the beauty of wolfpack you know early on was that it was it was music for musicians you know so right. you're like listening to it you know and we listen to music and it made for radio or just you know made to to perform and 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 you kind of start figuring out i mean you're run dead wax so you've yeah, fully aware. But you kind of just start figuring out like what they're doing. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they're doing that and that's coming in here. And I bet they're going to like, you know, go to the four right there and then resolve. Uh, but, but the Wolfpack, you know, it's always like, oh, what are they, what are they going to do next? So the first time you listen to it, you know, it's like, you know, it's yeah. like unpredictable. It's like, I didn't know they were going to do that, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, you yeah. know, Scary Pockets is is for sure in that exact same vein of like, it's music for musicians. So it makes sense. It's like, I don't really care who's singing. I just want to, I just want to see these guys play, you know? Uh -huh. I want to hear some good vocalists. want to see some good instrumentalists, you know? Would you, right. do you find that like most of your, like your audience is, is at least versed in some sort of like musicality or knowledge of? Yeah, it's, it's a musical audience for sure. It, it the shows, I mean, we've, we've sort of prodded a bit over the years to try to figure out like how much of our audience is musicians. Yeah. Um, and we, I think it's, it's, um, I mean, it, at some point we thought it was about 35 to 40%. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which I think, you know, and, and I'll ask people when we play shows, how many musicians are in the crowd and, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's like, I would say about 40, 40% or so yeah. musicians. There's, there, there seems to have been, uh, 
That's a good just way laugh. to get data. Just everybody just raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. Just ask the question. I mean, Congress is still doing it. So right. Yeah. So, yeah. The, they're what we what I've we started finding on these tours is um there's pockets cover bands and like multiple pockets cover bands wow. at every show. Yeah. There's like the, these the bands that are covering our covers, and so we'll go out. And the shows. <laughs> I love it. And there's there's it's one so show cool. where like these people came up and they're like, we are in a scary pockets, a cover band. And uh, this is, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. And then the, and then there was people on this side, like we are in a scary pockets cover band. And these two <laughs> pockets, German cover bands were like meeting yeah. for the first time. It was adorable. That oh, is so amazing. great. That is so great. Imagine that that's inception right there. I would yeah. say something covers like just typically whenever I hear they're a band for musicians or they're, you know, I don't feel like it. A lot of bands that are like that, they don't really reach outside of that as much. It's more of like, oh, this is technical and really cool mm -hmm. and I really enjoy it. But like, I think what you and Wolfpack have done is it's tasteful for everybody. It's something that anybody can consume and really appreciate. And so, yeah, I think that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, a, there's an element, maybe, maybe a shared um emphasis on just like not taking ourselves too seriously and yeah. uh just kind of you can tell you're enjoying around yeah. that's a good podcast question just so do you like it <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be great we should do podcasts but like host it like really bad we should Maybe that's so, what we're doing right now. I mean, we've, I don't know. Jack and I have been <laughs> doing it for, for a couple of years now. It seems <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like the it's the what is it the Chris Farley Paul McCartney interview? You know, oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, I want to watch. Uh, is that between two ferns? No, it's like Chris yeah. Farley and it's like Paul McCartney and he's just asking questions like, "Do you remember when you were in the Beatles?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah," and Chris Farley just like. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and it, it's That's great. It's for sure classic. It's a great it's a great podcast template if anybody is looking for one. Um no, so anyway, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Uh, I want to keep doing it. I want you to keep doing it. I want to keep munching on it and consuming it as a as a scary pockets consumer. Um just kind of looking forward, is this is this Ryan's path forward? Is this like the is this the big dream or is this like moving on or do you see this growing into something else or or what are you thinking good question um it's been um yeah i i mean i love being a part of pockets it to, for for me i struggled in in um solo production singer songwriter artist world for so many years so you know struggling in obscurity and so to be a part of something that's um musical and and entrepreneurial and team-based and where it's like a more about um just uh it's just less me you know what i mean it's more yeah. about just like building a, a platform where i can do as little as possible and and um and make something with you know the people that I love the most, all, all these friends, um, has been super rewarding. So I think continuing to iterate on that, and you know Jack and I have so many ideas about different things we want to try and different things we want to do. I, I as long as um, as long as the world 
we'll we'll have that uh, i will I'll, I'll i would love to keep working on it um still I, I feel like my life now is a bit of like a three-pronged uh situation where it's like pockets is pretty full-time and then um there's my solo records that i still i just can't help but make so i just continue sure. writing and and putting out music um and uh and then producing for other people yeah uh and and writing with other people so yeah they all they all kind of feed each other and yeah i still love touring with other people and and doing sideman stuff whenever that comes up and, yeah. and works out in the calendar so yeah it's uh, it's um i just try and stay as busy as possible so i don't have to f you know confront yeah. my <laughs> Do you, we had a we had a guest on his name's uh andy osenga and he said something really interesting um he's like i have to keep making solo records so that when i am producing for other people i'm not forcing them to make my record do you, do you find that to be true also no okay <laughs> so i i don't know if i'd be able to do it i'd be like oh you should for sure put big muff on the overheads on this part yeah. it's like i don't think i want to do that it's like well i think you do you know no i mean i guess you'd have to ask the people i produce but i i don't think that that's the okay cool I don't great think that that's the case i feel yeah. like but you make solo records so who would even know maybe you should stop exactly. making solo records and then you know then, then we'd yeah. see then we'd really see ryan but it's it's an it's an important outlet for sure to me i kind of I, I like having all three of those things there's like mm -hmm. um you know the solo records give me an ability for just like relentless indulgence where i can just like take as long as i want and mm -hmm. and overthink and yeah you know do all the things i probably shouldn't do pockets forces you into just like making as much stuff as in as little time as possible and then the production satisfies like a a, a different sort of um uh, a different urge to to kind of combine the two things where it's like okay this isn't my thing like i'm in service of somebody else and their vision um but it's uh it's like if if i'm i'm sort of trying to figure out like whatever's needed of me in this in this yeah. instance in order to make something um happen and and be released into the world which so it's sort of like you're you're trying whatever whatever the thing needs whatever the artist needs um i can sort of use things from the other two genres to supplement you know the situation that's amazing um and you you, you speak it like uh you have it all together i think i would fall apart but that's really that's really great you must have a really good time management system so congratulations google calendar yeah <laughs> i use todoist is, is it good? Um, write that. Whoa, write that down. Todoist. Is that, a, to is that an app? Is an app where it's just basically like a to-do list and you can have, you can have like shared to-do lists with like different people. And it's a good way to keep track of, of things across different projects. Okay, cool. Write that down. Uh, I'll ask you this question and then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let you go. You sound super busy. Um, the, uh, do you guys use any like management system, uh, to run like the back end like management of scary pockets? I know there's like a lot of like management ideologies, you know, we, you know, there's books like good to great, or there's like the EOS system or yeah. all that stuff. Do you guys use some of that? And do you find that, uh, fruitful for kind of running the brand? Aspect? I love good to great. That's a great book. Yeah. Um, 
getting things done is is also a good one for people interested in systems yeah. and time management. Um, uh, we now use Airtable. Um, we used to use Asana, yeah. um, but now we use a combination of Airtable. There's no Gantt charts in Asana. I can't, I can't yeah. do it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I never, Asana never clicked with me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Airtable and um, Dropbox is, you know, that's the I've combination of, of those two okay, things yeah. are what we kind of live on. I love it. That's amazing. And Slack. Hey, Slack. Gotta have it. All, um, Slack life is, is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. We use that internally here. We also don't use the premium version. And so we get into fights. It's like, that is not what I said. Look on the Slack. And then you scroll up and it's gone. So nobody can like, <laughs> oh my because they disappear after like 30, 60 days, you know, so we should just. Really? If too many people are sending messages in Slack, it just starts to to slowly take them away from certain channels. That's what's happening. Really? Like, yeah, can I get you oh, you guys, on this? Yeah. <laughs> Click you guys on got it. it. I mean, if this, if anyone from the company Slack is watching this, I mean, they need to extend some sort of special limit, limited time offer to you guys. <laughs> Thank you the so program. much. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'll put that, I'm putting that energy out into the world. I yeah. want you guys to be yeah. fully, It's by the next time we talk, I want you guys to <laughs> yeah. have you owe it to yourself. Yeah, the whole or, version of Slack. If Oracle's listening also, we'd love a discount. So yeah. just, yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Before I let you go, uh, best Christmas movie of all time. What is it? Best Christmas movie. There's one time. right answer, but we'll see if you know it. Um, Elf. That's a good one. That is a good one. That's get, my favorite. We get Elf a lot. I think it's my favorite because it's the best. <laughs> Now, sometimes it, we and we talk about this all the time. Is like sometimes like the best Christmas movie doesn't have to be your favorite Christmas movie. Home Alone's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that's it is. a Christmas it's one movie, of right? Yeah. It's like the best Radiohead ha Radiohead album is usually not your favorite Radiohead album. Uh, you know? It's kind of like that. And it's hard for me to pick my my favorite Radiohead album. It. It's hard for everybody, and there's there, and this is the one where there is one wrong answer. You know, like you, I always like you can't say that one. You know, yeah. For me, what's it's, the wrong answer? It's, uh, for me, it's listen. For me, it's Pablo Honey. If you say Pablo Honey is my favorite radio <laughs> album, it's just it's just like listen. It's just like not. I know <laughs> I know the kind of person that you are, and I know yeah. we'd meet at a party, and that is the only time we talk. So yeah. I'm a hail yeah, of the hail of the thief guy. Right about that. Yeah, might be right about that. My favorite's Pablo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I, I recommend you guys a good couples therapist. Yeah, I yeah. Listen, I worked with used to work with a girl, and she's like, I love Radiohead. And I was like, What's your favorite album? She's like, Pablo Honey. And I was like, Interesting. Press the object. And then she ended up being a psychopath. So there it is. That was, <laughs> This is great. That's a good lit litmus test. It is. Uh, hey, thanks for being. Uh, Wait, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, uh, I think it, for me, it's uh, Christmas Vacation. This I thought it. I haven't seen that. Oh man, really? You've not seen Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation? No. Okay. Uh, I don't know where to start. I'm going to cancel my the rest of my day, and I'm going to go watch it. it. It's good anytime. It's the fun. Okay. It's the funniest one. And here's the deal: you're gonna you're gonna run through the first time. You know, it's like a Wilco album. You know, it's like first run through is like that was pretty good, 
and then you do it again and you're like okay i'm i'm really picking up on this and then you after years and years of christmas vacation it kind of just becomes one of the books of the bible to you you know <laughs> what's your favorite loco album uh probably ghost is born there's just I, for me there's a lot yeah for me personally it's like a it's like a pivot shift you yeah. know with Nels coming in and there's yeah. just there's a lot of like fresh funky Nels energy and I feel like it just kind of brought everybody to just a, in a different everybody's painting with different paints on that album and yeah. so it's kind of fun to hear like the new uh vibe of whatever they're doing it's the just first time I heard yeah. that and I heard Nels without knowing anything uh i hated it i was like what the fuck is wrong with this guitar <laughs> it player? sounds selfish like, what's going on with yeah. this vibrato like that's yeah. not <laughs> has this guy never heard eric clapton it's like that's not <laughs> that's not how you do a vibrato and, about it. and uh now i'm just like the biggest nels fan i just love him but yeah. uh talk yeah, about I'm, your I'm, own lane yeah yeah i'm i'm a sky blue sky guy myself Mm -hmm. but um but mad respect yeah that's great respect for the craft i love will that's a good good person to have on dead wax yeah so we're looking we're looking forward to the dead wax relaunch and all that stuff so if you're uh, listening relax. go back and listen to all the ones you didn't listen to and then follow it uh you won't be disappointed and then go and digest every scary pockets video and spotify oh, song out there uh dude thanks for being on today i really appreciate thank it thank you guys for for having me so nice to meet you and to talk to yeah. you this is awesome too. yeah let's do it again tomorrow <laughs> so i'll see you guys tomorrow all right cool see you ryan <laughs> okay.